1: no <laughs>
0: It is a terrific Tuesday here. It is You Better, You Bet. It is Nick Costos. It is Ken Barkley. And it's you here on the BetQL Network. Simulcast for the next couple hours by our friends at Stadium. If you're watching us on Stadium right now, tip of the cap to you, good sir or good lady. We very much appreciate you. Thank you very much for joining us. we got two hours of badass wagertainment coming your way, talking all things sports betting, getting you said to bet and win and educate you a little bit, hopefully, and have some fun as well, talking all things in the world of sports. On today's program... We celebrate basketball. We're one month into the NBA season. We're taking the temperature of some of the futures markets. Who's going to win the NBA title? Who's going to win NBA Most Valuable Player? Maybe some division prices as well as we move along. Ken Barkley is going to tell us uh, how to bet the Heisman Trophy ahead of conference championship weekend in college football. The whale capper, Drew Dinsick, NBC Sports betting analyst, will join us next hour talking a little NBA and his early bets for Week 13 in the NFL. And Ken and I will wrap up our early thoughts on Week 13 in the NFL. Pen, pencil, blood, or blank with the Chiefs and the Packers on Sunday Night Football, the Jaguars and the Bengals on Monday Night Football, and uh, a possible, probable NFC title game preview in Philly with the Niners and the Eagles absolutely can't wait for it. Final hour, power hour of the show, all our bets for tonight, when we will also be joined by Jason Sobel, giving us golf bets and big cat, Dan Katz, the barstool, big cat from barstool sports will join us as well in the power hour, but joining us right now to kick off our number two today on this terrific Tuesday to kick off our time on stadium today is our good friend, the great Matt Moore from the action network. Matt on Twitter at HP basketball has an amazing like daily NBA betting podcast that we encourage all our listeners and viewers to check out. Matt supports us support him uh check out buckets is the name of the podcast again he's on twitter at hbbasketball all of this written work can be found with our friends at the action network matt welcome back to you better you bet it's nick and ken hope you and your family had an awesome thanksgiving thanks for joining us how are you
2: Doing well, man. I'm excited for tonight. These uh, This is the last night of tournament games in the NBA, and I'm a little sad about it. These games have been better. These games have been interesting. This has added like, a little new flavor. Uh, last night, we, did, we, get, we know we're going to have everybody rested. We know that we're not going to have anybody on back-to-backs. I'm a little sad that the tournament's ending, uh, but I'm excited to go out next week to Vegas and catch the actual knockout round uh, out there in Vegas.
1: Yeah, I was reading that like uh Turner and ESPN gonna combine their television coverage of the event too. So you'll get like inside the NBA and like Stephen A and Will Bond and these guys like all basically covering the in season tournament, which will be which will be pretty cool. I d I don't look I I really did not enjoy looking up the tiebreakers, I have to be honest, and trying to figure out what was gonna happen in the games tonight for betting boy, but you're right, Matt, like the games have been better. And we've been doing NBA on the show, like <laughs> the, the in season can tournaments we just obviously. Say this to Ken's yeah.
0: point. The tie-breaking, I looked this up before the show also. I got, like, halfway through the first one, and my head started yeah. to hurt. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. It's
1: yeah. Great. <laughs> How much do the Celtics have to win by, depending on what happens in the Nets game? What's the number? And and, and they can actually do it. Uh, that'd be kind of interesting. They play the Bulls tonight. We'll see. Uh Matt, we were talking about NBA in the last segment, though, and just kind of like more macro stuff about a month through the season. And, you know, like I, <laughs> I say with the NFL season, it's impossibly long. And the NBA season would certainly fit that description, too. Don't want to jump to too many conclusions off of just such a small number of games. But we're a month in can at least kind of see where everything's at. We play a game on the show sometimes with baseball, another impossibly long season called like Thing or May or like thing or April, which is basically like, here's something that's happened that we didn't expect. Team gets off to a good start. Team whatever. Is it a thing or is it just because it's like early in the season? There are two Western Conference teams that have outperformed expectations a lot this year. They're one and two seed, basically, if the season ended today. Oklahoma City and Minnesota. Are those teams things? Awards, one seed, whatever. Is it thing or November? Which for both of those teams. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I call this the, uh, the question of whether or not they're mirror teams. And the answer to that is sometimes teams get off to really good starts. And then with December 15th rolls around and they happen to catch their own reflection in the mirror and go, oh no, we're not good at all. Oh, oh, we're not good. Um, however, I don't think either of these teams are, are mirror things. I think they're things. I think these two teams are legit, uh, was high on the wolves. Look, I, what I'm looking for here, I think is, do you have superstar talent? Do you have good coaching? Does your roster make sense? And these teams capture all of those categories. Uh Chris Finch and Mark Daganall are both exceptional coaches. Anthony Edwards, Shea Gillards, Alexander are both absolute superstars. Chet Holmgren, Carl Anthony Towns are excellent number two stars to have. Their rosters make sense. Like the OKC guys There are guys on this roster, like Isaiah, Joe, who have been percolating for a while that if you were a sicko and watching those thunder teams, you're like, you know, he's pretty good. And now that they're actually coming into like formation of a team, it's like, oh yeah, those guys really are pretty good. Same thing. You got Jaden McDaniels and you got all these different guys, like shake Milton adding very good minutes for Minnesota. So you have these rosters that are complete. It's not just superstars at the top. And then a bunch of, I don't know about this, like the Suns. um, you have great coaching and you have superstars at the top. The Wolves, everything checks out on them. They have this awesome defense. Their strength of schedule defensively is elite. Their offense is always going to be a little but if you're as good as they are defensively, you're going to be solid. OKC's win profile is very good, so I'm a big believer in both of these teams. I love Wolves team futures, and one of my favorite bets right now is Shea Gillis-Alexander, MVP, because I legitimately think he's going to be in the top three and so, if there's a possibility of injury or other plot twist happening later that we see the top of the of the list kind of fall out, whether they don't hit 65 games or whatever, I love the possibility of Shea being there. I think both those teams are legit.
0: The Shea 12 to one, the sixth choice in the market right now at our show sponsor, BetMGM, the king of sports books. All right, so we played "Thing or November." Was that like a "Gone Till November"? Who did that song? "Thing or November." Like, like, like. Uh, why yeah. great song, right? It really yeah. is a good song. It's like I got transported back to like eighth grade. A great song. I um, ask played...
1: myself, why? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Z, you must understand. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Anyway. <laughs> a great song. Uh, we played Thing or November with two surprising Western Conference teams. Uh, let's do it in the East right now with your 12 and five Orlando Magic beating the Celtics and the Nuggets in the last week. Matt, Thing or November? And you can sing it in the White Club voice if you want. The Orlando Magic.
2: I'm going to skip on the singing, but I will say that I think this is more of a November thing. Now, I like the Magic to make the playoffs. I think that they're really solid, and they're going to be in that in competition for it. I think they'll hang. Uh, I think they'll at least be in the play-in tournament. You'll have a good opportunity to bet uh, out of that position later. I don't expect them to slide any further than out of the play-in picture. I think this team is really good. They're well-coached. Jamal Mosley, I think, he's getting better as a coach. Um, they've been without... Markel Fultz and Wendell Carter Jr. Now, some of their successes because of how well the replacement players have stepped in. But this defense is absolutely ferocious with Jalen Suggs. They've got really good balance. But the offense, I think, is the reason why I'm a little bit more, oh, I don't know about this. Um, so I think with Orlando, I'm much more of like, look, This is the start that you need. If you had Orlando playoff futures, this is what you needed. You've got it. Like all they gotta do now is not completely screw up the rest of the way. And I think that's possible, but I think this team is probably closer to six, seven than they are to three, four. And that gap is very important in terms of the betting futures. I think Orlando is gonna be a great team to bet nightly because of how the, the, I think the market is still a little bit too tied to the preseason power rating, which was too low. Um, but. I do think that you want to be a little bit hesitant on going all in on this team as far as like awards markets or anything. Cause I don't think they're necessarily going to be a high win total team.
1: I think that makes a bunch of sense. We can do like a little bit of playoffs here. Cause you mentioned the magic in the East, like you think they'll make it, but you know, we'll kind of see what the seed ends up being in the West Matt, Like I just, every way I work it, like maybe Ja comes back and they win a bunch of games, but like, it seems like, like 11 for eight spots basically something like that and maybe you don't believe in Houston maybe it's 10 for eight spots so like there's a pretty I'm gonna read some teams there's a pretty real chance that one of these teams like maybe they make the play in, or maybe they like make nothing and they just don't make it and people remember last year like how Dallas collapsed down the stretch they say like nobody thought that was gonna happen and then they didn't make it like with the Warriors and Lakers played in the play-in a few years ago like it just these these things there's too many teams things happen sometimes like do you think and I'm going to read these teams do you think the Pelicans will miss the playoffs do you think the Warriors will miss the playoffs do you think the Clippers will miss the playoffs New Orleans Golden State Clippers all kind of profile in that range right now are you worried about any of them not making it
2: I'm worried about New Orleans and Golden State I'm actually not worried about the Clippers they're gonna like last time was a perfect example of this they're gonna have enough of these games where you're just like what is wrong with you idiots like I just got done re-watching <laughs> that game and I'm like what are you guys Doing like, what yeah. are you doing on a lot of these possessions? But they're also, but then you look up and be like, they're still fine. i, I really worried about the Warriors, and I think that that you that everyone should be. Uh, their overall numbers are masking some stuff. Their win profile is not good. They're not doing great at home. The biggest thing is that even when Draymond was playing, they're not able to just be like, well, no matter what, we'll just destroy everybody in the Steph and Draymond minutes. It's not happening. It's just not happening right now. No Wiggins, with, with Wiggins doesn't matter. Like Wiggins is catching the most heat and he should, he's been wretched. They're not winning the minutes without Wiggins with Stefan Draymond. That's a huge red flag Pelicans. It's just basically, you can't predict the injury stuff. Like some of this stuff is crazy. Like CJ McCollum has a collapsed lung. Is that on the, the training staff for not keeping his lungs inflated? Like some of this stuff is just their snake bit, but that team has so much friggin' talent. Um, lost last night was like, oh, young team still trying to figure out what they're doing, but they still don't have that gear, but Ingram and Zion are starting to pick up a little bit in terms of their chemistry. That's a real positive sign. I like the Pelicans, but I don't know if they're going to stay healthy. I don't like the warriors. And I'm very concerned about them and I'm not crazy about the Clippers, but I think that they're still going to wind up there because there's enough talent and infrastructure there. I think for them to get through the regular season, even as we all keep going Ugh, with those guys.
0: Pretty big buzzkill. I was made that. That was like home improvement noise. Uh, That was me at the end of the uh, the Pelicans game last night when Brandon Ingram missed that shot. But Brandon Ingram missed to send the game to overtime would have probably won my team total over. Instead, I lost. Uh, you better you bet with Nick and Ken here on a Tuesday talking the NBA with our friend Matt Moore from the Action Network Matt on Twitter at HP basketball Matt in our number one Ken was talking about the Eastern Conference right we just did some stuff on the West and obviously there's a clear tier atop the East with Milwaukee Boston and Philly and whatever order people want to put them in Boston obviously is the top team right now and the favorite to win the NBA championship at BetMGM um so it's not going to be Orlando cuz we've determined they are November and not a thing. Any reason to believe that there's another team in the east that could kind of like penetrate that group and like be one of the teams left standing at the end in the Eastern Conference other than Milwaukee, Boston and Philadelphia?
2: I've bet Miami and I will not apologize for it. Yeah, uh, man. Look, that team is a ob- That team's obnoxious yeah. and irritating. I like the way they're playing, man. Jaime as gives them like a different dimension. They've got enough guys. Like they just have enough guys to get through this you're seeing a more aggressive bam out of bio and like he's on my tears list for mvp and i know it's too early to have that but that's what i do it's gonna be out on friday we'll have th- 15 players on the list because that's how it is early season but like bam's being more aggressive that changes the dynamic that means that you don't have to rely on jimmy butler being superman because quite honestly he hasn't been early season um they'll get hero back they've gotten contributions from hawkes orlando robinson's pretty good haywood highsmith like they are finding these guys regardless of the Jovich situation They've done really well. They're still exceptionally coached. Like, I just keep getting back to this with the coaching, which is when the playoffs come around, are you going to feel better with what's going on with Adrian Griffin in Milwaukee with Missoula in Boston or Eric Spolstra and a roster of guys that nobody believes in and I'm still going to want have, have gotten my money on them early? So I think they're dangerous, though I will tell you right now, like, look, Philly's legit. Like, N- Nurse has them different. This team yeah. is wired differently. Sixers different.
0: So,
1: yeah, yeah
2: big this, time. it is it is different with philly this year and beads better maxi's better the roster's better the sets are better the defense is better that team's legit miami's legit i really do think that capping the eastern conference by how you rank the coaches is not a bad approach in a league where we all tend to focus on who the best player is
1: so jb bickerstaff number one is That what we're all agreement on we're all we're all there with right now uh got like two minutes left a bunch of games tonight that was really good big picture stuff, by the way. But you should probably just get get some bets for tonight. And really interesting games to me, like Thunder, Timberwolves. We just, I queued you up on both those teams. I should have mentioned they are playing. Like maybe we learned something in that game. In like 90 seconds, Matt, 60, 90 seconds. Any bets for tonight in the NBA?
2: Oh, yeah. We're getting creative tonight. Uh, Knicks no and Celtics need dominant wins. So I looked up over the last three seasons what's happened when they've won by more than 15 points. Guess what? The opponent team total under has hit about 90% of the time. In Boston's case, it's 20 out of 23 in the Missoula era of their opponent team total under hits when they win by 15+. plus. And the Celtics need to absolutely win by 15+. plus. I don't care if Jason Tatum doesn't like... The point differential, if they want the 500,000, that's what they need. So I've got alts on Celtics, team total overs, parlayed with unders on the, on the the Bulls' unders, and separately Bulls' team total under alternate plays tonight. Same thing with Charlotte and New York. I also like Atlanta plus four. Um, I actually just have that power rated. Atlanta, sneaky under the radar, been pretty good. Trey Young shooting 37% from three all of a sudden. Kind of a sneaky angle for them, and I love Houston tonight. Tonight. Plus four that lines down from five on the overnight. Uh I've got this power rate basically a pick 'em. Dallas doesn't do well whenever they have to face anybody with a pulse. And right now Houston's got a pulse. So I like Rockets plus five as well.
0: I like the Tatum angle. Like he doesn't like the point differential, but also likes money. Like I don't like pushing people in front of buses, but for five hundred thousand dollars,
2: Yeah. Just BBA no, grandma. I, this
0: does yeah. like, sorry. Grandma got pushed in front of a bus. Uh, yeah, good job, Matt. That's awesome. <laughs> you might say there's no such thing as murder. Uh, Matt on Twitter, <laughs> at HP Basketball. The podcast is Buckets. Great work for our friends at the Action Network. My friend, we appreciate it. Stay well. Good luck with the bets. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. <laughs> the great Matt Moore. <laughs> on the And check out Matt's betting pod, NBA betting podcast, Buckets. On the other side, we continue to celebrate basketball here on You Better, You Bet.
1: We'll be right back with You Better You Bet,
2: presented by BetMGM <laughs> on the BetQL Network.
0: Our Lochmas is coming up in a little bit. Ken Barkley is going to tell us how to bet the Heisman Trophy ahead of Conference Championship Weekend in the great sport. Of college football. Uh, P-squared, B-squared. Next hour on the show, Drew Dinsick will join us next hour as well. Barstool Big Cat still to come. Jason Solbel still to come as well as our bets for tonight. We'll get back to the NBA in a second, but we do have a piece of like uh, pretty decent-sized breaking news in the National Football League where uh, this, this basically came out of nowhere. Uh, Colts running back Jonathan Taylor, a.k.a. JTT. Uh, Jonathan Taylor injured his thumb in Sunday's win against Tampa Bay, um, finished the game like no one knew he was hurt, now he's going to undergo thumb surgery, and he's going to miss two to three weeks. Um, no decision made on injured reserve yet. This is per Ian Rappaport of NFL Media. Jim Ursay confirming the injury. Um, Taylor going to have surgery tomorrow. So this could be like a four-week injury. It could be two to three weeks. Um, I'll ask Ken for a, market break, uh, for a market update in a second of Indy's game on the road in Tennessee on Sunday. But just like Taylor is going to be out at minimum two weeks, maybe three, possibly like a full four weeks on, in- on injured reserve, which means you're out for four games. Um If you're out there right now in a fantasy league and Zach Moss is on the waiver wire, pick him up immediately. Like, if you're in a smart league, you should already be owned. But if he's not, go pick up Zach Moss right now because he's going to be the Colts' number one running back while Jonathan Taylor is out. We'll get back to the NBA in a second. But, Ken, how has the market reacted, the betting market, uh, to the game coming up on Sunday, Indianapolis at Will Levis and the Titans?
1: So Colts were like two, two and a half on the road against Tennessee. And remember, like Colts and Houston, these a- 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 AFC South teams really have like a-, a good chance to make the playoffs this year. Uh, Shane Steichen got a lot of buzz for coach of the year this week. And so this, this hurts a little bit. Now, how much? Uh, the market did respond, but kind of in a a pretty insignificant way, I'd say. Uh, The Colts were kind of consensus two, two and a half on the road. Now they're about a one-point favorite on the road, basically one everywhere. Bet MGM, they're a one-point favorite. So you did see an adjustment, and that doesn't mean there can't be more of an adjustment, like the later in the week we get and limits on the games go up. So a small adjustment down in terms of the likelihood that the Colts win the game, but that's it, and still less than three. um, Game obviously trending toward a pick uh, with – like, it has to be said, like, actually some playoff implications. Like this is not an insignificant player on an insignificant team. Uh, this is a team that absolutely has a chance to be a wild card this year. Yeah,
0: I'm curious if this game closes a pick. I, Taylor's better than Moss. He's not that much better than Zach. Moss is pretty good. He's been really good this yeah, season. I think that's why you saw what I mean. you
1: saw, Right. Yeah. Well, you saw that one point uh, adjustment, just like maybe maybe people are interested, but really like how interested can you be when the point spreads already less than three? Right? Like what are you getting with Tennessee by betting plus two? Oh well well, thank god now if it lands two I push. Like really, that's like that's worth doing it on on Jonathan Taylor? Like I am good on that one.
0: Uh, so Jonathan Taylor yeah. will be out for for two to three weeks, maybe four. We'll bring you more when we get it here on You Better You Bet. But let's continue on with the NBA and of course like we'll bring you any more news as we get it in the National Football League on this Tuesday. And uh Let's touch a little bit more on the Philadelphia 76ers. Ken, I loved your analysis in the wake of the James Harden trade. What, it was like three weeks ago or whatever. Harden traded to the LA Clippers, and everyone's making a big deal about the Clippers. And you're like, actually, I think this is a lot more interesting in the betting market for, for Philadelphia. And Embiid's been great, and Tyrese Maxey's been amazing. And the thought is that Daryl Morey's going to pull up it, Now it's less like, are they going to trade Embiid? and more, are they going to get a third player to pair with Embiid and Tyrese Maxey? The Sixers in the market to win the NBA championship, plus $1,400. Same price as the Warriors. I don't know if like the market's caught on to the Sixers yet, or maybe I'm wrong. And Joel Embiid right now is the third choice to an NBA Most Valuable Player. Uh, Embiid, the reigning MVP, is plus 750 behind Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic. Ken, thoughts here on the Philadelphia 76ers now a couple weeks having passed since the James Harden trade to Los Angeles?
1: Yeah, and I, I told you, and we did this on the show obviously not just in the wake of that trade but like for, for the next week or so like I, I said you know I <laughs> I thought that Maxie and Embiid were like the 2023 version of Shaq and Kobe I think we clipped off that video that I had bet Philadelphia to make the finals and to play Denver That that was like the finals matchup that I thought was more likely than the market did and you know gradual adjustments taking place obviously Boston being this like monster that holds all this win probability in the markets is always going to make Philly going to go a lesser price. Cause people are always going to think Boston's better. Um, and that's fine. And when it gets to the playoffs, I'll never bet on Boston to win the title and I'll always bet on Philadelphia. And I, we haven't done this in a while. So, like, and people might listen to the first couple of segments and be like, man, there was like a lot of like just primer, basic kind of stuff. Be like, well, we haven't done this in like a month. So, I kind of have to start with like, here's what's going on. Cause maybe you're maybe you're like locked into the NFL, like a lot of people, or college football, which is ending and just haven't really caught up on what's going on in the NBA. Um, the history of winning the title is a consistent thread that is always woven through who the team's best player is. And there is literally only one historical example in 70 years that disputes that and it's the Pistons in 2004, and they are responsible for the biggest finals upset in the history of the NBA. They beat Shaq and Kobe when they hated each other, and then Phil Jackson wrote a book about it. So like, if you are not pinning your hopes to a big-time lead player, superstar player on a team, you're basically saying, I hope we're the 04 Pistons and not the other 70 years. That's what you're saying. So makes a lot more sense to assess the title market conference markets almost entirely through the prism of, who is the team's best player? How good is that player? How old is that player? Are they in the prime of their career? Are they early? Are they late? Like, where are they on this kind of the uh, the arc, their timeline? And then, okay, based on that information, who do I want to bet on to win the title? And because you can here like the Sixers and be like, you're really going to bet on Joel Embiid, you dummy. Like, have you seen what's happened in the last few play? Yeah, of course. Of course I've seen what's happened in the last few play. I also didn't bet Philadelphia in those playoffs, and I'm betting them now. But, like, I I see what happens, and I think just, like, the idea of history repeating is so funny, and we've had such, like, a rapid succession of examples of it in the last couple years that it makes it really obvious to people now, I think, how impatient we are with superstar players winning their first title, right? So, like, if you look at the experience level of the best player on like the championship level teams you notice a consistent thread not just that it's a great player not just that they you know made a first team all nba or maybe they've won most valuable player awards but it's not early in the career folks like it's not and when i say early in the career i don't mean like rookie year second year like it's not year five or year six either which by the way is like where Luca is right now if you're all getting impatient with him that he hasn't won yet it just like it takes a long time these NBA superstars and winning titles it all moves like glacially I mean it just takes forever for these things to mature for these players to mature into players who can win titles we all collectively think Jokic is the best player in basketball right now there's probably no one right now who doesn't think that but like last year there were very heated arguments about whether he would be allowed to win a third straight MVP, because he hadn't quote done anything in the playoffs yet. A year later, this is it's all been wiped away. And like, we were you were just early in expecting it last year was year eight, we did a segment on the show about how year eight is an important year historically, for star players where they win their first title, Year seven year eight, that's when you start to see it every time with very few exceptions. And so like, it's, we look at all these players that are older. Giannis, we were we were waiting, and he folded in the playoffs. So we were waiting, and he folded the playoffs. And then he matured, and he got into like his title prime to win titles. And then he won, and it was like, oh, so many missed opportunities. Be like, or that's always how it works. Always, always how it works. So like we've already had these two, bi- these two like bigs basically. Giannis isn't a conventional center, but like Giannis wins his MVPs, and we all start to get really mad at him because he doesn't win, and then he wins the title and Jokic wins some MVPs, and we all get really mad at him because he hasn't won a title, then he wins a title. And I'm not telling you that Joel Embiid has to win a title, but just like, can we just not outright dismiss it for the same stupid reasons that we dismissed the other two, please? Can we like, please not do that? Because like, you've all been dumb twice already. You want to be dumb a third time? Like roll the dice, bet the Celtics, you know, like see what happens. So it's just like, yeah, Embiid's going into year eight, This is kind of when he's supposed to win some titles (laughs) like this is kind of when it's supposed if it's gonna happen this is kind of when it's gonna happen oh by the way his coach is nine million times better oh by the way his second best player has way more upside than the previous second best player oh by the way they might make a trade oh by the way they have like all these other core pieces that potentially can fit as long as they get the third player and everything falls in line so just like i'm not saying like hey ken says the sixers are going to win the title just like we've seen it twice already and you've all been diametrically opposed to it both times. And then it happens and you have to be like, oh, I guess go. Oh, Giannis won, I guess. Jokic won, I guess. At least be open-minded to the possibility that for a third straight time, it, he's followed in the footsteps of these other two guys, winning the MVPs, can't, really can't ever win a title. Really? Ever? Can't get to the finals, at least? Really can't happen? I don't know. Uh, seems like by far his best opportunity. So yeah, just if we're assessing teams, Just how good is your best player? Where are they in their career? You're going to come up with a really short list of guys who make any sense. You're going to come up with Jokic. There's no question. You're going to come up with Giannis, probably still, for at least a couple more years. Lillard is kind of at the end of that, but they're paired together, and they're both awesome. And in the East, you're going to come up with Joel Embiid, and you're going to come up with him before you come up with Jason Tatum. And and we can argue that all year, all season, all forever long, and I think I'm going to be right.
0: And uh, and look, if people disagree, bet the Celtics. And I'm not saying you can't win. We'll 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 find yeah, out. Obviously, when the playoffs. That's last
1: year too. Yeah. How's everybody doing? Good. Was that fun? <laughs>
0: oh, I bet the Heat. So I had a really nice time in that in that game yeah. seven against Boston last year in the Eastern Conference Final. You better you bet here with Nick and Ken on a Tuesday talking NBA as we celebrate basketball here. Uh, we can turn the attention to MVP now, Ken. And uh, if we want to go back and do some like bigger picture stuff, we can. But I figure this is a nice opportunity to talk about MVP since we just spent a lot of time talking about the reigning MVP, Joel Embiid at BetMGM right now. Embiid's the third choice in the market, plus 750. Jokic is the favorite, plus 180. Luca plus 550. Jason Tatum is nine to one. Giannis is 11. The we talked a lot about SGA earlier in the show. Matt Moore just came out with us and said he he likes this price for SGA to win MVP at twelve to one. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, two teammates with the Suns, twenty and twenty two to one respectively. Steph Curry and Anthony Edwards both at twenty five to one. Uh that's where I have chosen to draw the line here. If you think anyone else is interesting, Ken, let's talk about it. But what about most valuable player about a month into the season?
1: It's uh. I don't, I don't know if it's shaping up to be that interesting of a race. I know we've had some some pretty close, toxic is a word I've used before, just because the way some of the discourse goes around dissecting these players who are all awesome. They're all so good. Like, they all could win the award. This has been true the last few years with Jokic and Embiid and Giannis and the conversations we've had the last few years with those players. It's always been really interesting. Um, is this one going to be interesting? So we started the year, basically, I, my theory was always we're about done with this like current generation of like the best players like they should kind of be on to win in the titles for people don't know like usually you win the mvps then you go on and you win the titles and you're kind of done with mvp and mvp voters are on to the next guy who's going to be like the best player in the league and then he goes on to win titles It's just like a cyclical kind of a thing and it really like happens very rarely, without fail. So, like Giannis won his; he moved on to titles. He hasn't won since then. And I know people kind of are like, well, he came in second, he came in third. I've always said, like, I didn't think he would ever win another one. I think everybody was kind of on to the next thing, and Giannis was on to the next thing. Like he wasn't trying to win. And then Jokic won his couple, and then really could have won last year. Like was probably the best player in the league last year. Are, we, are voters like done with this or is it actually he can win three and four because he's like won the title now and he's maybe one of the best ever and we need to have that conversation and like he can win more like how Jordan won more and how LeBron won more like more spaced out in terms of when they won their MVPs. Is he that or is it kind of like, ah, oh man, we're kind of onto it and Bede wins last year. Is it back to back for him, and then he gets his title, or he doesn't, or I'm wrong, and then he kind of moves on to like the next phase of his career, which is solely focused on championships. And if these guys are going to be gone, like if they're going to be gone in the minds of MVP voters, which happens to every generation of every player, then who's next? Then who? Then who's who's there to pick up the pieces if these guys if we're not interested in these players anymore? And Luca was always to me supposed to be the next guy, and he was supposed to kind of be ready by now, and it's just kind of not happening. It's just kind of not happening and this is i said this at the start of the year like he's kind of supposed to be ready but i'm not sure like i don't know who it, who it's supposed to be and a player that i brought up like well he's early but like this would i guess be the guy is shea gilgis alexander who profiles really well in all the advanced metrics whose team might win a lot of games this year so they were kind of in this bridge year where like the guys who like the two best players in the league by all measurement this year i shouldn't say by the best player in the league by all measurement this year is Jokic. The second best player is kind of an argument between Embiid and SGA about who the best player in the league is up to this point in the season. To me, it's those three, the Grand Canyon, everybody else. And in MVP odds, it should be those three, the Grand Canyon, and everybody else in terms of their likelihood to win. So to me, like the quote-unquote mistake in the betting market, it's not even like, I guess it's the order a little bit. It's kind of the pricing to me because there's like a fundamental question that we're going to have to answer later in the year. And it's going to be a really stupid question, and I hope everyone's ready for it, which is... Are people done voting for Jokic and Embiid for MVPs and do they want something different? And if they want something different, the different thing is SGA, but they may not want something different. It might be like, you know what? These two guys are so good. They might be the two players on the one seeds in both conferences. They're like this era of the NBA, like it's Biggs and it's these guys and it's Giannis, like this is what it is. Like maybe we're not done with them. Maybe Embiid should win back to back and and then we're probably done with them or Jokic can win three and four and he's got a title now. I don't know how voters feel about that. And that came across big time at the end of last year. There was big Jokic pushback to him winning again. I don't know if there's going to be pushback on either of those two guys. Because I do think they're just, if it's player quality, it's the two of them, then it's SGA, then it's 10 Grand Canyons, honestly, right now. And everybody else in terms of chances to win. I have bet a ton of Embiid, and I bet a little SGA. Because I think they got a puncher's chance with Jokic, and I think it's those three. And yeah, Jokic's going to win a lot of the time, but like I don't know how the voters feel about those those candidates yet. I don't know if they're ready for something new. I really don't, and I almost don't want to bet any more than I already have until I get a little bit of an answer to that question.
0: I, I think my senses, and I could be wrong about this, just like the temperature of what goes on in the sports media with sports fans, kind of the way people talk about things, I don't think people are done with either guy yet. And I think Jokic I, I winning think the you're title- right right but and I we'll, just don't know yeah we'll do right. more on yeah. this on the other side to start like and this is a great question for you watching or listening at home like what do you think people are done with Embiid and Jokic I don't think so we'll talk about it a little bit more on the other side and then we'll tell you how to bet the Heisman Trophy ahead of conference championship weekend in college football the Tuesday edition of you better you bet rolls on right after this Shea,
1: double team Jay, extra step Jay with a pass. just to beat the shot
2: clock it looked like he was in jail and somehow escaped Welcome back to You Better You Bet, brought to you by BetMGM with Nick Costos and Ken Barkley on the BetQL Network.
0: Courtesy of the call goes to Bally Sports Oklahoma. What a start to the season it's been for Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chet Holmgren and the Oklahoma City Thunder. By the way, Wempinyama only minus 175 now to win uh, Rookie of the Year. Chet Holmgren like uh, coming up pretty fast behind him in the Rookie of the Year market at our show sponsor, uh, BetMGM. Uh, maybe we'll do that maybe later this week. Maybe a couple minutes later in the show to do it as well. But we got to get to the NFL. We'll get to Locksmith coming up this segment. Drew Dinsick still to come. Barstool Big Cat still to come. Jason Sobel still to come. And all our bets for tonight are on the way. Uh, when we finish last segment, though, Ken, you're making like a really good point, right? Which is, do we think that... Award betters in the NBA are going to be tired at this point of voting for Nikola Jokic, who's already won two Most Valuable Player awards. Maybe tired of Joel Embiid, who won MVP last year, but like obviously, like uh, hasn't like gotten it done in the playoffs yet. Doesn't mean he can't this year or moving forward. Just that he hasn't yet, and maybe voters kind of feel remorse for not voting for Jokic last year, when it was pretty clear that Jokic was the best player. And this is not me; like I'm not pissed that it happened. I don't care. Just like saying that that's what people may think. And he was the best player. at, like he was best the best player. player. He was yeah. the he was the best player. Um, do we is. think that the voters are tired of either guy? My sense is, and I said this last segment. We can talk more about it now. I think it's almost definitely no. Uh, I think both guys are very likable, like Giannis was, which certainly helps. Like, everyone loves Joel Embiid. I don't know if anyone, everyone loves Jokic the way that they love, like, Embiid or love Giannis, but he's so good that he's undeniable, and I think kind of, like, his charm in that he doesn't care, really, I think people find it really endearing, and he's also the best player. So my sense is, Ken, if we get to the end of the year and the Nuggets are, like, the one seed in the West and Jokic has the best numbers, I think he'll just win. And if Jokic falls off a little bit and Embiid and the Sixers like the two seed and Embiid's amazing again, I think Embiid would win again, um, as opposed to SGA. Now if SGA puts up better numbers or the Thunder or the one, then we can have that conversation, right? But uh no, I, I, I don't I don't get the sense that people are tired of either guy yet. Uh Jokic in Denver, obviously, or Embiid in Philadelphia.
1: Yeah. So I I think right now, all we have to go on is just like how we feel, like what we think about what voters are going to do. And then later in the year, like they'll tell us how they feel and we'll have to listen to them, unfortunately. And so my my best guess right now is I agree with you. My best guess is I I think it's as of right now, I would deem it a three player race. And I want to make sure I don't skip steps because people might listen to this and be like, well, what about Jason Tatum? And like, what about Luka Doncic? And what about Giannis? And what about all these other players? But Anthony Davis, um, Anthony Edwards, whatever uh, players, other players in the market. The way that MVP is typically awarded is actually quite formulaic. Honestly, team success is obviously very important uh, within reason. You know, Jokic won on like a six seed team, kind of a team. Uh, Westbrook won, barely making the playoffs, but he averaged a triple double. Like team success matters, and historically, it's it's bared out that way. And then player success, as measured by all encompassing, all in one metrics. Honestly, it's like very straightforward. We talk about WAR for Rookie of the Year, and how like it's just literally who has the highest WAR among like position players this is basically like who has the highest plus minus and highest PER and highest wind shares. And like all these, like that's kind of what this is. And it's pretty easy, honestly, like it's not, it's not difficult to figure out like who's going to be in the mix. I, I did this on the show the other day, like, Here's like how the MVP finished in P like PER is like a dated one of these like EPM is better now, whatever. And here's like the winner for MVP. Here's what they were in PER the year that they won. And I'll do like 20 years, just not just to be fast, like second, first, 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 third, first, 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 ninth, first, first. For like, it's just like, we know we're looking for here. It's like pretty easy, not like a magic, not like a secret to this one. And your top three players in all of these all encompassing metrics, Your top three players in all of them and in all the metrics are Jokic and beat and SGA in some order. Like this is who we have to work with this year. Like Jason Tatum's great. Also in wind shares, he's ninth and in box plus minus he's 15th. And you know who never wins that guy. So I don't really care how many games they win this year. Don't care at all. Uh, Like Luca usually has awesome numbers in these metrics but it's like Kyrie and there's been a lot of threads the last couple of days about Luca and how not valuable he is it's been kind of a weird few days maybe he's hurt his numbers look terrible versus how they normally look honestly he's usually up there with these other guys he's like 9th 20th in a couple of these I'm close so like you tell me who it's going to be that's not those three guys like it's you can Tatum like they had to they had to go like 73 and 9 for us to have the Jason Tatum conversation. That's not going to happen. They're not good enough. They're going to be really really good. They're just going to be normal good, not historic good. So like yeah, if you use these all-encompassing metrics, it's a really short list and it's a really brief conversation about who can win. It's these three players. That's who it is. So that's why I asked the fatigue question to start the last segment, because if we think they're tired of two, then it's the third guy. And if we think they're not tired of the two, then it's one of them. Like, that's kind of all it is, honestly. Now, trying to parse through this to be like, well, which one? And how do the voters feel about all of them? They're going to change their mind a bunch. How is each guy playing? Do they flip-flop positions within that one, two, three? That's going to be really interesting as the season goes on. When Jamal Murray comes back, do Jokic's numbers slip a little bit? Because right now he's one in everything. Uh, when the Sixers add a third player, do they struggle to integrate that player and Embiid's numbers st- st- suffer a little bit? Does SGA hit a, a slump at some point because he hasn't done this for very long? Like These are all really interesting questions, but they're going to play themselves out throughout the course of the year. So for me, like I totally agree that Jokic is the most likely player to win right now. I don't even know what the argument is that he's not the most likely player to win other than like people don't like him or something, which isn't true. They like him. And he's first in everything. And they're really good. So like, yeah, you can have a position on him But he's the favorite and he's gonna kind of stay in this range probably for a while and i don't think you have to be in a hurry necessarily to add although you're probably gonna want some of them eventually if this keeps up because he's you know gonna win uh to me it's like what is the true gap between him and the other two players and how is that reflected in the pricing in the market like if luca's gonna hold this price and tatum's gonna hold this price then to me it's like all that win probability needs to be going to my two guys needs to be going to Embiid and SGA and those guys are like to me irrelevant and they don't matter and the two guys that I reference matter a great deal so like to me maybe it's more like hey Jokic can be 150 182 220 something like that but Embiid needs to be 350 or four and SGA needs to be six or something like that and like and then I'm just good and then I don't want to do anything but that's not what's going on right now so like again it's just probability I think Embiid's more likely to win than his price. And his price used to be more, and I was betting it then, too. I still think he's more likely to win than this price. I think SGA is getting to probably the right price like pretty fast because he's getting bet a lot. Like He was 23, 30. Now he's like 12. We're probably pretty close, but there's probably a little room there, honestly. They play the Timberwolves tonight. Watch that. He plays great. Maybe snag at 12. You know, like, I just, this, this is where we're at right now. So, Jokic's the most likely to win, but to me, it's those guys, one, two, three, and it's not anyone. And I think the gap between Jokic and Embiid is small. I really do.
0: You better, you better hear a Nick and Ken on a terrific Football Tuesday. Really fun NBA conversation on the show today. Can't wait to talk about tonight's slate of games in the, whatever, the in-season tournament. Side total and props coming up in the... Power hour, final hour of the show. Let's turn our attention now, Ken, to some college football. Yesterday on day one of Lochmas, you told us, hey, here's how we're looking at the national championship market ahead of what's going to be a very interesting weekend in in the great sport and also setting up, like, who's going to make the college football playoff. Uh, It feels like there's not as many variables going on as far as the Heisman Trophy is concerned. There are three guys that can still win it. That's what the odds board tells. Maybe it's actually two. Let's talk about it right now, guys, on day two of Lochmas.
1: College football is the best time of the year. The fight songs. Announcer's going crazy. Mario Anderson still on his feet got free. Mario! Super Mario touchdown. The roar of the crowd. Time! But for Nick and Ken, college football only sounds like one thing. <laughs> It's luck, Miss on and you better use
0: All right, Santa, Heisman Trophy market a bet BetMGM. Bo Nix, Oregon quarterback, your favorite, minus 150. Jaden Daniels, maybe the next quarterback of the New York football giants. We'll see. Jaden Daniels, plus 120. Michael Penix Jr., 16 to 1. Seems like those are the three guys. Maybe it's just two. Nix and Penix play each other this weekend. Jaden Daniels, done for the year. Not like injury, because LSU's just, just done. They're not going to play a <laughs> right. yeah,
1: championship game. They're just they're not good enough. Yeah, uh, so thoughts like... here
0: on Heisman Trophy to end our number two. <laughs>
1: Sure. Uh, I have to start by mentioning the athletic straw poll came out today. Uh, Those of us who who pay attention to such markets care very much about this poll. Uh, It's been pretty accurate and reflective of how the voting has gone historically. And it's only been going on for a few years. Uh, There were 33 first place votes and uh and Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels each got 16 of them so there was a dead heat with one game left among basically all of them. and Michael Penix got one vote so immediately there is something we can take away from this I think and even though it's like well the, the Heisman pool is so big and what do you mean like there there's no absolutes uh if Penix wins on Saturday on Friday night and beats Bo Nix I think Jaden Daniels wins the Heisman Trophy. I would actually feel that very confidently based on this polling. Nothing for Penix. Zippo. One vote of their. Like, where do you. Bo Nix loses. Where do you think the votes are going? And, and if Penix wins, people might still vote Knicks. Now you're splitting the West Coast votes. Daniels definitely wins in a landslide at that point. Like, I think Penix has no chance. That's just my, my opinion. I could be wrong. I think he has no shot. Now, again, like, this isn't crazy. That's reflected in the market. But I wouldn't go, like, jamming Michael Penix. Like, well, if Washington wins, this poll tells you that's really unlikely that Penix is going to win, even if they beat Bo Nix in Oregon. Okay, we learned that. That's pretty interesting. Uh, something else I find a little interesting, just in terms of how I know voters tend to operate. Recency bias, very important. Knicks plays. Daniels does. Isn't. the fact that they're tied right now or even that it's like really close because like if Daniels was up one or Nix was up one or whatever I'd feel the same way okay right now they're tied Nix has one more game left like if he wins and plays well what happens like play it out like okay if they lose Daniels wins like that one's pretty obvious um what happens if they win and he plays well can it ever be Daniels? still we're tied now Nix has one more trump card left to play that Daniels doesn't have Um, So it's kind of like, how confident are you that he's going to play well against Washington? They're going to win the game. I I think this poll honestly tells me that I I think Knicks is more likely to win than I thought if they just win and he plays well. Like, maybe I I think it'll be close-ish. I'm not sure it'll be that close. Look, LSU's putting on the big-time full-court press. Uh, Analysts that used to play in the SEC coaches media members it's everybody it's jaden daniels all systems go from all of the accounts all the time and they're doing a great job because it's working honestly uh but like they he doesn't play there's there's only so much of that and if nicks is a conference champion and he's going to the playoff and lsu isn't i do think voters are going to wait that i think there is a silent majority of voters that's going to wait that a great deal to be perfectly honest i am holding a lot of nicks i am a little biased i need him to win to win uh, but I, I wouldn't be betting Daniels at these prices. I think that what this poll, I think, tells me, Penix has no chance, so don't get cute with, like, the long shots. And if Nyx wins and plays well, I think that might be enough to give him the bump in what's basically a dead heat right now. And the market, for the most part, reflects that. But I think go into the market, like, with that knowledge, whatever, you're gonna, whatever you think you're going to do.
0: Absolutely can't wait for this weekend in college football. Also can't wait for hour number three of You Better, You Bet. We'll have a conversation with the whale capper, Drew Dinsic, of NBC Sports, talking NFL Week 13. And on the other side, Ken and I will talk NFL Week 13. How about our betting preview of the Niners and Eagles from Philadelphia?
2: We'll be right back with You Better, You Bet, presented by BetMGM. <laughs> on the BetQL Network.